0: Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name is Steve Barrett. I'm the editorial director of PR Week, I'm going to guide you gently through another show with my co host, Frank Washgook, who's the uh, executive editor of PR Week. How are you doing, Frank? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Steve. It's an absolute pleasure. And we've got Lisa Torello with us this week, director of PR at Next PR. Welcome to the show, Lisa.
0: Hi, Stephen Frank. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you.
1: Yeah, good to have you on board. Listen, there's only one story this week, isn't there? It's the Oscars. And I didn't think we'd be saying that last week. So we're we're really going to dig into that story, the whole furore around uh, Will Smith, Chris Rock. All of the implications of that, all the other things related to the Oscars. So we're going to talk about that. Then we'll get into some uh, news, other newsy topics. There were other things going on this week. Um, PR Week uh, launched its Women of Distinction and Women to Watch lists for 2022. So we'll talk about them. Disney has responded to the Don't Say Gay bill in Florida. And uh, we'll talk about that. PR firms are turning down business at an unprecedented rate. That was a PR Week analysis. We'll find out why. Weber Shandwick new hires, Hill and Knowlton new hires, all in the corporate affairs sector. And uh, then we'll talk about pets in PR. A little bit of lightness to end the show because uh, mm-hmm. a lot of heavy topics. Let's start with um, you, Lisa. First of all, tell us a little bit about uh, Next PR and, and your role there, B- based in Philadelphia.
0: That's correct. So the agency is actually headquartered in Colorado Springs. We've been around for at least 40 plus years um, under new leadership. Um, The CEO, Heather Kelly, we have five offices actually across the US. So I'm the director of PR based in our Philadelphia office, and we specialize in B2B and B2C accounts. So our clients really range across many industries, but what I will say is there's a ver- there's always a tech enabled or a tech driven component to the majority of our clients, which is exciting. Tech is obviously a very exciting industry to be in right now. And so That is Next PR in a nutshell.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, it's good to have you on board. Good to find out a bit more about Next. But we're really here to talk about the Oscars, aren't we? Um, That that was the big news. Sunday night, uh, you and I were... Certainly, watching live, not together, we <laughs> watched live and saw events unfold. Frank yeah, caught up uh, later, afterwards, via Twitter, which is what a lot of people did. And it seemed to be, it, it wasn't a normal Oscars. It was still, it was still, it was the first one back in person for a couple of years. And it was, a, it was an interesting show. There were lots of other things to talk about, but it, but it really took off when um, Chris Rock made a joke about Will Smith's. Um, wife jada pinkett smith
0: jada i love you gi jane too can't wait to see it all right
1: he uh, kind of took offense but he didn't immediately lisa you were watching it live tell us what occurred and what what your thoughts were when you saw saw what was unfolding
0: yeah i have a lot of thoughts <laughs> i think will receiving that nominee award was the best thing that could have happened to him in that moment because it immediately gave him a platform to speak with everyone's attention just moments after that incident occurred. And he had that opportunity to provide an apology, to condone violence, but he didn't do that. And I think that is where his second biggest mistake was, I think. As a woman and a wife, I can appreciate him coming to Jada's defense. However, it's not up to me to determine or or crucify his actions. I think Atlanta's mayor, Keisha Bottoms, said it best in an Instagram post this week that I'll just read very briefly. She quote I quote for her, I feel like the funny cousin went too far at the family cookout because he does that. Other cousins slapped him and the cookout was ruined. They made up because that's what family does. They're OK, but we aren't OK because everyone saw the cousins fighting and it made us sad and ashamed. End quote. it's yeah, so to-
1: an interesting perspective, isn't it? Um, it's actually very uh, insightful because everyone apparently in the auditorium, you know, for any, anyone living under a rock that, who didn't know what happened. Um, Chris Rock made a joke uh, Referenced Will Smith's wife. Um, Will Smith appeared to laugh and find it funny it, it, originally, but then he saw the look on his wife's face, and then all of a sudden he was marching up on stage.
2: oh, Richard!
0: <laughs> oh, wow! Wow!
1: And he slapped Chris Rock.
0: Will
2: Smith just smacked the shit out of
0: me.
1: And, um, who was rather taken aback, as you might imagine. Then Will Smith went and sat down. Chris Rock made a couple, kept it together, made a couple of comments, and then uh, Will Smith was haranguing him from from uh, just off stage. Keep
2: Th- my wife's name out your fucking mouth! Wow, dude. Yeah. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Keep my wife's name out your fucking
0: mouth. I'm going to. Okay.
1: All the audio clips courtesy of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. So thanks to them for letting us uh, illustrate what an incredible night and uh, and and memorable night at the Oscars for uh, pro- probably not for the reasons we thought it would be. Frank, what what was your take
2: on it? It was an extraordinary incident, wasn't it? Uh, I guess in the simplest terms possible, my take is that it was assault. Uh, (laughs) um, No, for real. Uh, I I agree with what Lisa said uh, earlier that uh, he did did miss a tremendous chance to apologize and and apologize directly to Chris Rock in in his acceptance speech, Will Smith's. And um, it took him almost a full day to put something out on social media afterwards, which also makes you wonder what was the delay. And it was a very short statement. And what was the delay in getting that out? So, uh, look, like everybody, I have a lot of questions about, you know, the aftermath of this. And and, uh, I I have a lot of questions in general about it. I mean, it's just a wild scenario.
1: Yeah, because it turns out that, um, I mean, the, both Will Smith and Jada have a long history of friendship with uh, Chris Rock. But going back 26 years, um, Jada was in three of the Madagascar films with Chris Rock. They were close friends, actually. Chris Rock's appeared on an episode of The Fresh Prince. Um, and But they also had a history at the Oscars because... Uh, Chris Rock made a, a joke in 2016 about a boy, about Jada boycotting and Will boycotting the Oscars uh, because of the Oscars too white situation. He made a joke about r- relating to Rihanna, which, which um, yeah, which was, uh, well, it, I thought it was funny, but um, it was, um, I guess that was on their minds. What did you make of Will Smith initially laughing, but then all of a sudden he was marching up on stage?
2: Uh, well... <laughs> I I I questioned uh, the sincerity of of you know how he took the joke at first. Um comedy is is often a bit brutal when it comes to celebrities and um it, I it, it's hard to feel bad for um Celebrity entertainers when they're they're the the butt of a joke at, at the hands of another entertainer, in in my opinion, and I think the, tr- the you know the joke he made in 2016, which was was uh, generally about his performance in a movie, it was 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 in bounds. So yeah, there there might be a history there, but uh, you know, getting uh, getting fun poked at yourself at a at an awards dinner is um, you know it's not grounds for slapping somebody, or it shouldn't be anyway.
1: Yeah, Lisa, um, I, I was thinking to, about Ricky Gervais, you know, the, the roasting he gave to half the audience. I mean, he would have been carried out on a stretcher, wouldn't he, if everybody got up and punched him uh, or slapped him after the comments he made? Um, because, I mean, that's part of the, that's the comedian's job, isn't it? It's, it's, are we now going to get uh, comics being assaulted in comedy clubs because people don't like, you know, like hecklers going up on stage or people don't like the jokes? its It sets a bad example, doesn't it?
0: exactly and i think you make a great point i think for many reasons will was probably triggered by that joke and i think my sentiments of all this is that we all make mistakes will is a public figure the oscars was not the place to become violent against someone when neither his him himself or his wife's lives were in danger I, I repeat, I think Will had the perfect opportunity to condone violence and make a real apology, not just to the Academy, but to the millions of viewers and young children around the world who admire and respect him. He is a mentor to so many, and the message that his actions sent do real damage. Um, I think he missed, he missed the opportunity to apologize publicly immediately, and I think that alone was his biggest mistake at the Oscars.
1: Yeah, it was uh, a joke about G.I. Jane that uh, Chris Rock made and um, Jada Pinkett-Smith uh, suffers from alopecia. And I, I'm, it's still not clear whether Chris Rock knew that. I don't, I don't think he did, actually. So as he said after he was assaulted, he said, it was a G.I. Jane joke. What, you know, what's up? And he was genuinely shocked and and managed to keep it together and actually keep the show going to his to his credit on that. So. But then everybody, of course, was thinking, well, Will's going to go up and do and and make an acceptance speech because he's probably going to win best actor. And you're right. He it was uh, probably first of all, it was one of the longest acceptance speeches and it was slightly meandering, took in lots of things. But yeah. One thing he didn't mention was his wife, actually. So he, he didn't mention his wife in the speech. He mentioned family. He didn't apologise to Chris Rock. He apologised to the Academy, and uh, yeah, it was a missed opportunity. But there were. It almost seemed to me like, for one thing, I thought the set was designed in a way that it was it was very intimate, wasn't it? And there was no elevated stage, so he it was almost like getting up out of his chair and just wandering up it was quite mm-hmm. easy for him to do it. Whereas if you think of the normal setup at an Oscars or an event, you'd have to go up a big uh, set of stairs onto a stage. That made it very easy, didn't it? And uh, that probably didn't help. And it didn't help in the aftermath either because he was there sitting there, you know, and everyone was coming up to him in the breaks. His publicist was coming up and probably, uh, from what we we understand, trying to convince him to actually do an apology. So, Lisa, he certainly needed some good PR advice and good um, reputation advice in, at those moments, didn't it?
0: <laughs> I think so, and you're correct in that I think it played out, and this is to, to Chris's um, b- defense, I think it played out the best way that it could have because it could have gone in a very different direction and then what would have happened, now it's being broadcasted on national television. I think it worked out in the best way possible for Will, in that moment, but it could have been very differently.
1: Yeah. And it didn't seem as though, um, Frank, that the TV company and the organizers knew how to handle it, did it? Because they've obviously had incidents, uh, you know, they've had incidents with naming the wrong film, best film famously. And you'd have thought they'd have had a few more sort of crisis response things in place like for example should they have uh, literally escorted will smith out of the auditorium because he's committed a crime would that have caused an even bigger scene would have other actors have got involved you know should they have given him let him come up and accept the award during the speech it seemed like they would at one point they would they they just put the logo on there the oscars logo almost like they were, right. they were trying to sound you know cut him off but then he then he carried on and um there were also the Williams sisters in the audience, you know, because this is all about the King Richard film. And it, it kind of spoiled the moment all around, didn't it, um, yeah. Lisa, to your point about the family barbecue?
0: Yeah, there's there was just so many. I think everyone, whatever side, I don't even know if there are too many sides here, but I think whatever side you're on, I think everyone's overarching feeling is that it was just unfortunate. We all grew up watching Will Smith and you know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And we have this perception. A lot of people feel that they know him without really knowing him. I think social media also plays into that feeling where you think you're friends with a celebrity. And so this was a big moment of his life, of his career and not just his career, but the impact that it has on the film and the other voices and the other moments that we haven't even gone into yet about the Oscars, it really clouded it. And I think it's just it's unfortunate.
1: Yeah, it really is. Um uh, the next category up was best documentary. And Sean Coombs came on stage and sort of made a comment to try and sort of calm things down. But I felt sorry for Questlove because he came up to get his Oscar uh, a really you know fundamental moment in his life. And uh, you know, nobody was really ready to even acknowledge or engage with that and it, it, it would and it took away from his achievement it took away from the best film coda which was a, a groundbreaking film it was the first uh, streaming film that you know non-big studio film that had won best film it was an, an apple production and it, it took away from so many elements of it um frank it is it was disappointing all around wasn't it
2: yeah i think so um i haven't seen coda but you know the more i i read about it it's it's just such an impressive uh, production and what they were able to accomplish and just make something that that highlighted you know the talents of of some of these actors who were deaf or hard of hearing and it's, it's just a remarkable accomplishment uh so yeah it's a shame it took away from that because that's um it, that's uh i think as far as film and entertainment goes that's pretty historic
1: yeah, I mean, I switched over to the entertainment channel straight after, and they were desperately trying to, let's talk about the films. But, of course, people only wanted to talk about one thing, <laughs> and and they, eventually they ended up having to do it. And, uh, yeah, that was disappointing. Lisa, what did you think of the way the rest of the show played out? Um, Amy Schumer actually was quite a funny moment, you know, because she'd been out of the auditorium, <laughs> and, and that, that was quite well done, wasn't it? Um, yes. Uh Yes. I've been getting out of that Spider-Man costume. Did I miss anything? There's like, there's like a different vibe in here. What did you think about the way this, going? and clearly in the auditorium, from what we hear, people were just shocked. But at first people thought, was that a setup? Was that? a bit, you know, and then it clearly became clear it wasn't when Will Smith was screaming at him um, and, you know, swear words. What did you think of the rest of the show after that?
0: Yeah, I think Amy Schumer, I mean, God bless her. I think she just has the right comedic approach to her and she she says things the right way. So I think that was a, a laugh we all needed when she came out. Um, but going back to Questlove, I'm not a Philadelphia native. I'm a I'm a Long Islander, but I do reside in the Philly suburbs now. And I have this weird I had this weird sense of pride when I was watching Questlove's accept his speech, and just beaming with how beautiful and sentimental and emotional his speech was. It wasn't about his win, as he said. It was about what it means for marginalized communities. And I just hope everyone who is in a situation where they feel less, they feel inferior, they feel like they were born into the wrong home, I hope these moments and his speech gives them hope. And I think that is the point that he wanted to get across. And um, I thought that that was just terrifically well done. Um, And then the same thing for CODA. I haven't actually seen it either yet. Um, But I think it was just those. the recognition was such an exceptional example of How the industry should be moving in producing movies that not just feature people with disabilities, but by actually starring people with disabilities as lead roles in these films. It's it's incredibly inspiring to see this unfold. And I truly believe the public wants to see it. So it's it's time for those um, talented voices to be elevated.
1: Yeah, and it was great to see a signer coming up alongside the people accepting the uh, the award. it was uh, again two groundbreaking moments you're referencing there that really got lost in the in the narrative. Everyone's had their say on this. I uh, literally millions of words and minutes of video, etc. I like the puck coverage actually. Baratunde Thurston and Matthew Belloni. Uh, it's a good new publication digital media focused on the intersection of wall street dc silicon valley and hollywood and they they really did some good stuff i I urge you to check that out jim carrey had his say he thought it was disgraceful the way everyone was applauding will smith after what he'd done piers morgan of course had his say even oj had his say you know everybody had his say but uh, just to finish on the oscars frank the last image was lady gaga and liza minnelli and uh, People found that quite touching, um, and the way sort of Lady Gaga was looking out for Liza Minnelli. I got you. What was your take on that?
2: Yeah, I, I had some uh, some questions about that, but it's um, yeah, look. I thought what Lady Gaga did was was quite nice to see, and it was you know it was it added a lot of humanity to the moment, especially after everything that had happened, and you know I think. It, like you've said, there was a, a sense of shock about the entire broadcast. But I, I think that she was uh, – it, it added some humanity to it, for sure.
1: It did. It did. Lisa, just to end on on this, which what are the repercussions here? I mean, are they going to – have to change the way they do these shows do you think will smith will face any uh, sort of uh, suspension from from being part of the awards and will they they're going to produce the shows probably a little bit differently to try and try and make sure stuff like this can't happen again
0: yeah i'm that's one i i don't have an answer for i think it's you're right there there is going to be some changes necessary changes and it's I just think it's sad for the future of what these award shows mean and what they represent, and I'm hoping that they don't change so drastically where that fun and that lively, the, the jokes that are you know meant to be jokes, I, I hope that all those things still exist, but you're right, this is a turning point for the Oscars and likely many other of these award shows.
1: And looking at it purely from a cynical point of view, it actually got it was good for ratings, wasn't it? And everyone has been talking <laughs> about the Oscars for the past week, you know, ever since it happened. So I guess on what and the, and the ratings were up on last year. So although it was still down on two thousand uh, uh, twenty, but uh, yeah, it was it was it was a crazy story. So many layers, so many levels. Let us know what you think. Um, yeah, reach out on socials and let us know what you think. Frank, let's talk about uh, PR Week Women of Distinction, one of our favourite uh, programmes. Used to be called Hall of Fame. We rebranded it this year, but we've uh, unveiled the class of 2022
2: this week. Yeah, I can't stress enough how difficult it is uh, to get on this list. I mean, we just have such an exceptionally long list of, of candidates who apply for this, who are, are, you know, qualified, even overqualified in some cases, and unfortunately, you can't pick them all. But uh, it's a really really deserving group of people and so is the women to watch list uh which focuses on a more uh up-and-coming group of women executives in the industry but if you just look at the companies that are represented in this year's women of distinction program i mean we have uh katherine from eli Lilly, katie boylan from target jennifer erickson from mastercard jane Hines from google i mean it's uh it's a terrific list of of top executives at top companies
1: really is and we we uh, we've honored a lot of women again because we feel that uh, you know, PR is a seventy five percent female industry and and it's been a tough it's been a tough couple of years for everyone, but especially women balancing um family duties, um home duties, home education and everything else. We've seen people women leaving the work, workforce in droves. So um really great role models to aspire to emulate and who are sending the elevator back down. So uh, Lisa, hopefully uh, these sort of recognitions um are inspiring for every woman working in the industry and in fact everyone working in this industry
0: it is and i will say i think there has never been a more exciting time to be a woman and to be a female in a variety of industries um it is and I say that in light of the Me Too movement and a lot in, in light of a lot of things, but seeing these women who are shattering glass ceilings, it is so inspiring for me as someone in my early 30s, as watching the next generation of children grow up. I think the women that we have as role models and mentors, it's, you know, even from like the Peloton instructors, it is, it is incredible. And congratulations to this list of phenomenal women who have um, made your, made your, these rankings. It's incredible.
1: Yeah, some great folks on there. Diana Lippman from MSL US, Trish Smith at Edelman and uh, Jocelyn Walker, Color of Change, Carrie Fonda, Sid at Goal. list goes on and on. And, and believe me, we could have done two or three lists from the people who entered. You know, there were so many fantastic candidates to choose from. And um, that's what makes this list so strong and what makes the industry so, so strong. So do check it out uh, on PRweek.com. Frank, another story that's been bubbling away, but probably has not got as much attention as it might with all the Will Smith and the Oscars stuff, is the Disney response to the Don't Say Gay bill in Florida. You know, Do we feel, first of all, tell us what happened in the context, but do we feel they've responded well to this crisis?
2: Well, they've really changed course uh, in that they were pretty widely criticized for not responding uh, strongly enough to to what's being called Florida's uh, Don't Say Gay bill. Um, it, Disney, of course, a gigantic company. It's the biggest uh, employer in the state of Florida. Um, and, and, you know, with a, a huge workforce, a diverse workforce, um, and a lot of employees were not happy that they did not uh, oppose this bill or at least parts of this bill more strongly. And there was a walkout last week by a lot of employees at Disney, which is very rare at that company because uh, it tends to have kind of a, a tight-lipped uh, workforce in terms of, Publicly complaining about the company itself, you know. Uh, so um, since then, uh, the company has very publicly said that they would oppose uh, at least parts of the bill and work for uh, its repeal. So this is another case of uh, employees seeing how much power they have today uh, within a company when they act uh, when they act together and. Um, when they act on an issue where they can really have an impact and can uh, force the executives' hands to, um, you know, really throw their power around legislatively.
1: Yeah. And if uh, Jeff Morrell has recently moved from BP in London to be to move over to uh, Disney. So I guess if he was looking for a softer landing, that uh, that didn't quite turn out like like he maybe intended, did it?
2: No, I would say probably not. But look i mean this is getting some opposition uh, from florida's governor who's been very rigid on this issue and it remains to be seen how much progress disney can make you know whether working with other companies or, or organizations or not to get parts of this bill repealed will it, we'll see what happens there uh it doesn't appear they have the votes to do that right now but we'll see and lisa what was your take on this
1: one
0: you know, in the world of social media, it often feels that if you don't respond right away, then the public believes that was a response. No response is a response. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to to Bob and Disney, I just can't fathom how a man in this much power didn't immediately reject the bill internally to his own employees, stakeholders, board members, and didn't take a stance immediately. Um I just think his it's tarnished a little bit his reputation, how people think of Disney. It made his employees and supporters even question whether or not he is an ally.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's uh, employees, especially they want to know what their company stands for. And um, in this case, I think they, they didn't see the behaviors um, backing up what the, the words have done in the past. So as we've been following at PR Week in, you know, for years now, Making how you how you turn up purposefully, how you do purposeful business and how you make statements on social issues is is a massive part of of communication. And and it's beyond communication now. It's it's part of the DNA of the whole company from the CEO down. So that's why PR is so important and why having a um, great uh, counsel is so important. So, yeah, not not one that was handled particularly well. Frank, let's talk about an industry t- trend we looked at uh, last week with an analysis piece of, about PR firms. They're turning down business. What, uh, what's going on here?
2: Well, the driving force <laughs> is that um, they just don't have uh, the number of employees to be able to service a lot of accounts really well. Uh, and so um, the firms that are benefiting from this the most tend to be the mid-sized firms, and um, because they are, again, picking up some business that the larger agencies are passing on. And um, a, you know, they may be better staffed to handle it than the smaller boutique firms might be. Um, so it's an interesting spot for them to be in. It's a good spot for them to be in. It's it's one of these really interesting business stories that uh, that comes up as as th- this sort of, I don't want to say post-pandemic because we're obviously still in a pandemic, but the, the post more serious parts of the pandemic, knock on wood, Uh, economy still shapes itself
1: out yeah it's an interesting uh, take on the whole you know great resignation thing and uh, back to the office and all this sort of stuff lisa what are you seeing at your agency and what are your thoughts on that you know pr firms would never have turned down chances to bid for business traditionally would they unless they were really racing along but uh, we're seeing a real trend emerging here judging by the traffic we got to this story
0: Yeah. And Frank, I have a different perspective, actually. Um, I, I think PR firms are in a place where they can be really selective. The good ones, and I mean the ones with reputations and that have a team that understands the agency's missions and core values. I've been fortunate enough to work at two of them in my career. Both CEOs happen to be female, both have a reputation in the industry for only taking on work that they truly believe in, and they know they can make an impact in. And I think gone are the days of just taking on accounts to increase the bottom line's revenue. You know, publicists are passionate people, and we want to be passionate about the accounts we that we work on. Um, I think it's a disservice to the brand if an agency takes on an account that the core values they just don't align with. Um so I, I Frank, I agree with what you what you said about those points. Of course, the great resignation is fueling a lot of those comments. Um, but I have a little bit of a different perspective just from the agency that I've worked with.
1: yeah, I guess um it's this whole thing about every agency has toxic clients, don't they, that people hate working for, you know, not to put too fine a point on it. and I guess this has given agencies an opportunity to say, well, actually, you know what, in, to, in a, an environment where we need to keep our people and retain them and, and attract people, we don't want work like that. So maybe you're right there, Lisa, that's a that's a good point. Um, and an additional perspective that uh, there perhaps there's some good to this trend, that they're not just taking on every piece of work going just for the hell of it, just to achieve growth. Um, and they're actually taking on work that's more in line with the ethos of the agency. So yeah, good point. Frank, sticking with agencies, some really couple of really interesting corporate affairs people stories at two top 10 PR firms to tell us about.
2: Yeah, for sure. Number one is Chris Derry moving uh, from Tineo, uh to Weber Shanwick, one of the most recent leavers uh, from Tanao. We've seen a few top people leave there in the past year. So he is... Um, going to become chief corporate affairs officer and president of a new C-suite advisory service that he is going to be building out uh, at Weber. So it's going to focus on uh, counseling clients about corporate positions, crisis and issues, and working across the you know public affairs, geopolitical strategy, social impact, sustainability, and healthcare practices. He will report up to uh, CEO Gail Hyman. Yeah, and then at H and K, yes, and at Hill and nolan we have Jennifer Dunn is the new head of U.S. Corporate Affairs. She is going to also run the D.C. office. Uh, now she will report up to Kelly Parsons, who is the global chair of Corporate Affairs uh, and Advisory. So really, so you know, interesting. I think, and that we, you know, we've heard so much about. Um, how the corporate affairs work at agency has really stood out over the past year, over the past two years, really. Uh, so you know, two really interesting corporate uh, hires there on the agency side.
1: Yeah, definitely, we've seen a big trend toward that sort of work. Senior counsel and uh, two top ten firms looking to beef up their offerings there. So uh, an interesting trend emerging and one that uh, has kind of backed up what's been happening over the last couple of years. Well, let's finish on the big issue of the day, Frank. Pets in PR. <laughs> We've been profiling pets of PR pros that have helped them get through the pandemic over the last couple of years. We've been doing that for the last couple of months, actually. Come to the end of our series, but we've done a little poll to see who people preferred and what was their favourite pet. First of all, Frank, which was yours?
2: Well, it's uh, let me go over the results first because it's a runaway. Um, and the the clear winner at this point is Maggie the dog. And I think that's well deserved because Maggie the dog is a rescue dog and has uh, uh, spends a lot of weekends uh, out trying to find uh, individuals. So, well-deserved uh, early lead for uh, Maggie the Dog. I think for me it was between Maggie the Dog and Bunny the Horse, but I, I really I can't argue against Maggie the Dog's qualifications for the top
1: spot. No, and like you said, there's four days left, uh, so uh, we don't want to call it too soon. We've seen these polls turn around, haven't we, in the past when uh, one of them gets uh, support behind it. But, yeah, it's Maggie the Dog, Bunny the Horse, closely followed by Chainsaw and Michelin, and then Harley the dog. But I'm glad to see Harley the dog's got a few votes because he was he was on zero at one point. So, uh, yeah, yeah. four days left to vote. No one wants that. No, no one wants that. Lisa, have you got a pet that's helped you through the pandemic?
0: Ugh, I don't have a pet, no. I'm, I don't, but all uh, four of these are stars in my book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'm going to shout out uh, Tam Tamla and Tesla, or Tess, my two cats, or our two cats, who've uh, certainly kept us company over the pandemic, and it's been uh, great. Uh, Frank, you haven't got any pets, have you?
2: Well, yeah, I, I inherited—I um, inherited two cats, and uh, oh, when go. I got married, and then one of them is still with us. She's a bit uh, rambunctious, but uh, you know, cared for, really well cared for. Yeah, yeah. keeps
1: you company during those working from <laughs> it home days for
2: sure. it Does, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, well, you've got best. all. All the way from the Oscars to Pets in PR. So you don't say that we don't cover all the, all the big topics on uh, the PR week. it's So good to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you. Terrific conversation. Thank you for having me.
1: And thank you, Frank, as always. Yes, thanks for having me on. Uh, just a quick reminder, we've got the uh, shortlist for the Brand Film Awards coming out. Um, this will that will be out by the time you listen to this, and the virtual event for that's on May the twenty fifth. The healthcare and farmer awards shortlist is out. Please get your tickets for the summit and the awards on May the tenth. That's going to be at City Winery in New York City. Then the global awards are in London on May the eighteenth, and then uh, PR Decoded is going to be in Chicago back in in person on October eleventh and twelfth. And no presenters will be harmed in the production of. Any of these awards, I can guarantee you that. But so, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, and that's all we've got time for. We'll see you next time on the PR Week.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the PR Week. To find more episodes, visit prweek.com.